Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, he said, So we all come to the unity of faith, to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That, that is, that's what preaching does. Music doesn't do that to bring you to a perfect man. And the objective of God is that we are all heading somewhere. Not to become billionaires, not about millionaires. We are all heading somewhere. And where are we heading? We are heading to the full, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness. You have come to that measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, you, you don't achieve this one through music. You, are, you achieve it like how Jesus did it. In Mark chapter 1, verse 2021, 20, then he went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath they went into the synagogue and what? He taught. He goes in the synagogues and teach. He goes to teach there. He taught in Mark chapter 6, verse 2. But Luke 6, 6, 2. But look at, let's go to Luke 6, 6 first, then we can come to Mark. Luke 6, 6. Said now it happened on a, a Sabbath, uh, on another Sabbath also, that he entered the synagogue and sang. If your excitement in church is based on praise and worship, you actually don't know God properly. The the excitement in our church should be around the word of God. The only thing that attracts Christians is Christ. Him we preach. Okay. Colossians 1.28. Him we preach. Him we preach. Him we preach. Teaching and, and admonishing, admonishing every man. To present every man perfect. Yeah. To prevent every man perfect in Christ. Him we preach. The preaching is him. The singing is him. The checking is him. In Mark 1. 21, he went to the synagogue and taught. In Luke chapter 6, verse 6, Sabbath day, and entered the synagogue and taught. Mark chapter 6, verse 2. That's so nice. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to he began to teach. He began to teach in the synagogue. He began to teach in the synagogue. About Verse 30. Verse 30. Mark. Then the apostles gathered together, told him all the things, both what he had done and what they had taught. They had done and what they had. They also started teaching. But look at the verse 34. He saw them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. They were very morbific. They were very. He looked at them and felt sorry for them. That, that's what I me mean, to have compassion. You look at somebody, and you feel sorry for them. You feel sorry for them. You look at somebody, you feel sorry for them. He looked at a crowd. They they are gathered. Jesus, let's say, is one of the singers. He was invited to come and sing. When he saw, yeah, they were excited. Jesus, you look at them. He felt so sad for them. He had compassion. He felt like, oh. He said, oh. So he had compassion on them. And he began to feed them. 
I began to sing to them. Oh, you didn't sing to them? You didn't play music for them? Yeah, tell you, but, but Elisha couldn't prophesy. And then the minister played. Yeah, that's all part of God uses that. But don't make us, don't let us make music the center of our gathering. No, it's wrong. We should have short time for singing. He said, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 verse 2. His delight. If your delight, if what makes you tick is not the word of God, I fear for your future. He went to the synagogue and he taught. Synagogue was not a place where the word of God was prominent. This religious environment. But they kept going to the synagogue, not to go and join religion, but to go and introduce the word because that was an, a, a, an environment where it was easy. Like Acts chapter 13, verse 5 and verse 13. They went to the synagogue and they taught. What? Look at verse 13. Acts 13, 13. Nice one. Isn't it? Now Paul and his party set sail from Paphos. They came to Perga in Pamphylia and John departed. Verse 14 is where I'm going. But when they, de uh, they departed from Perga, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on a Sabbath day and, and sat down. And then when they had sat down, when they finished reading, they, beg, they asked Paul, brothers, men and brethren, if you have something for the people, go on. These guys have made a mistake because we got the word that God in our mouth. Say on. And so Paul beckoned with his hands, come. And then he started preaching. But look at verse 5. We will come back to the verse 16. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says that, and when they arrived in Salamis, see, they went to the synagogue. What did they do? What did they do? They preached the, you know, that's very important. It was the word that God they preached. It's the word of life. They went to the synagogue not to go and perform religious practices. But they went. That's why they were going there. So now they went into another synagogue in uh, Antioch, Pisidia. And they asked, brethren, feel free and speak. And then when they said they should speak, he beckoned them. And then he started telling them history from Abraham. Oh, he said, our fathers. How God formed a people for himself in Egypt. And he brought them out with a strong arm. What? So he says that the God of our people is right, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt in a, uh, dwell as strangers in a land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. That's the summary of how Israel was formed. Israel was formed not in um, Canaan. Israel was formed in Egypt. That's a whole new. Israel was formed in Egypt. They went there. They were afflicted. I like the way in Acts chapter 7, it says that, Acts chapter 7, I think verse 19 or so, it said, at that time, Moses was born. <laughs> Moses was born at the very wrong time. Sometimes your wrong, seemingly wrong birth is a sign that the counsel of God is about to be fulfilled. Moses shouldn't have been born at the time children were being killed. Yeah, this is the Bible. Bible says that there arose a king who knew no Joseph. And Bible said he dealt with them treacherously. Is it not it? He dealt with them what? Treacherously. That's another word. 
This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. Then look at the next verse. That's a very interesting one. At that time, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the timing, the timing. Focus on the timing. Why should he be born at that, at that time? When babies were dying, a deliverer gets born around that time. How God managed to sustain him through the crocodiles of the Nile, through the wickedness of instructions from the government to kill them. At that time, say at that time. At that time, Moses was born. At that time, Moses was born. He was not an anointing. Three months, his parents uh, cared for him. They hid him. But afterwards, they realized they couldn't. So they released him. And Pharaoh's daughter took him. What? On his way to the palace. So let's go back to. Um, so he's told in Acts chapter 13, he told them about how God brought them out of Egypt. And then with an uplifted hand, verse 18. Now for a time of about 40 years, he was up with their, uh, uh, sorry, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. In other words, when he brought them up, about 40 years, these people were misbehaving because Egypt had got into them too much. So God can put up with you, but his putting up with you has a time limit. So 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Verse 19, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. Stop talking about human rights. He's the only one who can send you to hell. Yes. That's why there's, there's a whole warped philosophy about hell. People say, but if God is love, how would he, why would he? You see, you see that laughter, you don't understand it. You don't understand it. That's why you think he's a loving God so he can't send to a, Look at what happened to Jesus on the cross for him to cry, Ali, Ali, and you keep your sin. And you see what he will do to you. <laughs> if he can do that to Jesus because of your sin that was put on him, it wasn't his sin. No. Foreign sin. Sin extra nose. An alien sin was put on Jesus. And, and God himself from Jesus. Ah! And he brought all his anger. He slapped him. He slapped him. Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you put him? <laughs> he didn't commit a sin. Your sin on him made God hate him. They were killing him. No, it was God who was dealing with the sin. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made Jesus, him, who knew no sin, Become sin for us. So on the cross, he became our sins. So when Satan says that, where are your sins? Say, no, it's on the cross. It's on the cross. Remove that Jesus from the cross and put your sin there. That Jesus, if you are wearing a cross that has Jesus on it, please, when you go, go and remove the Jesus and put your sin. <laughs> God reacts very wildly towards sin. And repent from your sins. God doesn't have a choice. Unbelievers or some people who call themselves Christian, but they don't have understanding of the system of God. They are so worldly in their approach. When they see you walking in God's system, like the, the way that's why the Jews were hated. They never fit in anywhere. And they told they were no welcoming of others into their midst. Because they served the true God Yahweh. 
And there was, a, there was a way things were done. When they go into the synagogue, where the priest will sit, the high priest will be, where the men will be, where the women will be, where f- foreigners can be. Everything was a set way. And it wasn't theirs. It was God who handed it to them. And they kept it. That's why they, were the, they are the only people who have lasted generations. You can still talk. Where are the Jebusites? Can you show me where they are? Amorites. Where are they? Canaanites. Where are they? Hittites, the Jews are still there from the days of Abraham. Because they were there, according to Romans chapter 3, I think verse 2 or so, the custodians, the oracles of God was entrusted to them. Much in every way, chiefly because they were, uh, to them were committed the oracles, oracles. God's oracles is is another way of saying his pure word was committed to them. That's what kept them along the generation. They They are so stubborn in the way they do their things. They've been wearing this thing for many years and they haven't changed. There have been different types of um, attires, fashion, but they are clean. It doesn't change. Yeah, Jews. They are like that. And so the world hates you when they see there's something nice about you, but they can't take control over it. After that, that he gave them judges for about 450 years. Until Samuel the prophet. Say Samuel the prophet. Have you noticed that this guy is summarizing the Jewish history? In two verses. It's very interesting. He said Israel formed them in Egypt. And then they were oppressed. He used a right, a strong arm, uplifted and brought them out. He gave them judges until Samuel. And then they asked for a king. The next verse. And they gave them Saul. So, and afterwards, they asked for a king. So, God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for how long? For, do you see this 4444? Four, four, four? It's very interesting. For, four, for 40 years. And then look at the next verse. And when he had removed him, God removes his people. Yeah. Yeah. God can remove a government. Yeah. So, I thought he's only could it that as removing people from power. God can remove people from power. God removes says, you. I'll remove you. How did he remove you? When you go and read, you know, obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. That's when they were about to remove him. Those are some of the things that went ahead. <laughs> the, 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 the words that came out. When he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king. Oh. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Now, sometimes, to be honest, in preaching, it's nice to take people through the story. So if you notice, I started from verse 13. Actually, the guy left them in Pamphylia, and then they went to Pisidia, Antioch, and then they went to the synagogue. It was read. They were asked. Men and brethren, come and say something. And he called them. Then he started the story of Egypt. It's Israel in Egypt. And then he spoke about judges. The, the history of... Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. The history of... Okay, let's, let's look at the next verse. Verse 23. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God has raised up for Israel a Savior. Jesus. What's the name of the Savior? After John started the New Testament, 
It looks like the Old Testament really ended with our man, David. Yeah. It started with Abraham and then with David. So long as God's program is, you can see. After he found David, all the rest is like uh, other things. It's, yeah. So after he found David, now the next thing was, I'm going to produce out of David the Messiah. So everything that happened in between David and the Messiah was just a process. David was a major junction. Is it not what I was teaching um, when um, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, when the high priest first one asked him, Stephen, are these things so? And he opened his mouth. He started, he started with Abraham. That the God, I like this, thing, this phrase, the God of glory. The God of glory appeared to Abraham, our father, when he was living in Mesopotamia, in the air of the Chaldees, and he told him to come out. And then he didn't give him a, a land. God didn't give him a land. Amen? Amen. God didn't give him a land. And then he started talking. Then he says that Abraham had Isaac. And Isaac had, he was a bit detailed. Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob had the 12. And the 12 ended up in Egypt. Or no, he spoke about Joseph first. So he said Joseph was sold into Egypt. And then later on, the, J, J, he used the word Jacob and our fathers. Well, I think 176 souls. They ended up in Egypt. So they went to Egypt. And then he says that then they became a people. But afterwards, God started multiplying them. Joseph died. And the man, another king came who didn't know Joseph. Then God started multiplying them. And then this man started treating them treacherously. The verse 19 we read. So you see, this, the, the, that is the Jewish history. The Jewish history is a redemptive story. God was working out. The Jewish history is not the end. So when you talk about the Jews, there was a reason why God raised the Jews. The reason why God raised the Jews, because he wanted a David. The reason why God called Abraham was because he wanted a Jew, the Jewish community. He wanted a special people. And now in the New Testament, the Bible says we are the chosen generation. We are, in fact, in Romans chapter, I think, 2, is that we are the true Israel, the Israel of God. We are the Israel of God, the church. Okay, so the reason why I'm explaining something, are you learning something at all? The reason why God called Abraham because was because he wanted a people. So he went to a childless man to go and raise the people. So who would the, who would the credit go to? The man knows that this why it not be me. Because before God met him, he was childless. It wasn't God who made him childless. Abraham was childless and God came to him. God came to a childless man and he says that um. I'm, his, why, what was God's original plan for coming to Abraham? Because he wanted a people. But why would you go to a childless man to look for a, to raise a people? So that the glory will come to him. So he came to a childless man. His wife was childless. And he waited till his body was dead. And the wife's womb was dead. And God said, now I can begin. So when God wants to bless you, don't be afraid of negative opposition in front of you. Because when God said, I'll do it, he doesn't need the help. Like the burning bush, as I said. 
the burning bush, Moses saw a bush on fire, but the, the bush was not burning. Exodus chapter 3 and, and, and Acts chapter 7 from verse 33 or somewhere there. He saw a bush burning and the bush was not being consumed. Why? Because God doesn't need fuel. He is his own fuel. If he starts burning on your life, he, your hair won't burn. When he starts burning you, things, you won't be burnt. Because God doesn't depend on you. That is why anytime I'm discovering, anytime I give my resources, my financial, any resource, into God's work, God finds a way to sustain me. That anyway, that money or thing I've given would have sustained. God finds a way to keep me going and then later on even upgrade me. Watch this. Anyone who is a genuine giver in church never goes down financially. Never. Your life only gets better. Your life only gets better. You don't have severe financial crisis apart from the ones you choose to bring on yourself. Yeah. Because you can't afford a Mercedes Benz. A new one. And you chose to go and buy a new one. And now the payment is 800 pounds a month. Meanwhile, what you can originally afford is 389. Yeah. <laughs> so now you, you understand what I'm saying. So then it has, it has brought undue pressure on you, which wouldn't have been if you had just chosen one of the normal cars that you were comfortable with. Are you getting? So your financial, watch this, your financial life doesn't, doesn't go through turbulence when you are a genuine giver. Unless you go and try to impress people and get in the flesh and do what you know common sense will not allow you to do. And then you bring pressure. But no one gives and begins to lack. God went to a childless man and he said, I am going to make a nation out of him. Did you see how he put it? When he told him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he said, verse 3 or so, he said, in you. Ah, leave, leave your mother's house, your father's house. And then verse 3 says that, I'll bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, that one, that's that phrase, in you, all the families of the in you. What does it mean? I got is that in you? What does it mean? That is in you. So in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and he begins to um, from verse one. And uh, he said, I, I have I'm real I have the guy, I'm uh, do not be afraid. Um whatever and then Abraham begins to bring a child issue again. He said, But look, you have blessed me, but the, a foreigner is going to be my heir. So Abraham knew. Even before Ishmael came, Abraham knew that he couldn't produce. So he has started, he has made his will to foreigners. He had, thank you, sir. He has made alternative plans. He has plan B because plan A will not work. So when God came, he said, I bless you. He said, what is blessing without uh, and, uh, someone who will inherit me? And a foreigner is going to, he said, why do you say a foreigner is going to, hey, where do you get an idea from? He said, but I don't have a chance. He said, no. One from your own loins. Ah! Me? One from your... God has always knew he's going to form a people from Abraham. That is why we Christians are called 
the sons of Abraham. Galatians chapter 4 verse 28. He said we are like Isaac, are blessed, the children of promise. So the way Isaac was, so we are. He says that in Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 2. He said, for those who are of faith, the same are blessed with Abraham. He said, those of us who are in faith, we are the sons of Abraham. Can you imagine? We are the sons, I'm a son of Abraham. Therefore, know ye that all those who are of faith are the sons. It looks like everything must come out of Abraham. You are not a, a child of God. You are not one of the people of God until you can be traced to Abraham. So in Abraham, God said, I am going to form a people. And God calls Abraham. And Abraham responds to the call. I saw something in the scriptures. really blessed me. Let me go off and say it and then quickly. In, I've always read Hebrews chapter 11. You know, I mastered it. I mastered it because by faith, by faith, all the by faith, I took my hand around this, uh, circled it, circled it, circled okay, by faith, by faith, and then studied it carefully and then started using it. So in Genesis, I'll say Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verse 3, by faith. Chapter, verse 4, by faith. Then I'll say chapter, uh, chapter 6, uh, no, chapter 5, by, by faith. And then chapter 7, by faith. Chapter 8, by faith. Chapter. So I mastered the by faith. But I was studying again. You see, that's one thing interesting thing about the Bible. Because it's the word of God, you can't exhaust it. You will find something you never found ever. After 20 years or so many years, you'll find it. You've been reading it. You pass through this road every time. But one day God will appear, you'll see more. I saw that we talk about Abraham by faith. Do you know that in the book of Hebrews, when they were recording people who have great achievements in God by faith, Abraham's record was based on how he obeyed and left. One thing I noticed that surprised me, the record of Abraham was not about conception of Isaac in the hall of faith. The faith for the conception of Isaac was not recorded in the, in the hall of fame to Abraham as by faith he had Isaac. No, it was verse 11 that he said, Sarah, by faith, she, she conceived. They didn't even mention Isaac. She conceived when she was past age, so she was, the focus was not so much about the birth of Isaac, but the pre, her condition. Sarah's condition was so bad, but she was able to conceive when she was past age. Because, she, the reason that, because she judged, why don't you judge God faithful? Judge God faithful. Judge God, don't be afraid you, you are going to go down. You go anywhere down. You only go up. Have you seen an inflated balloon sinking before? That's what you are. Your destiny cannot sink. Because Holy Ghost inside is like the breath of God. You are not sinking. But it was Sarah who was connected to by faith. Now, when Isaac, the first mention of Isaac verse 17, had to do with when Abraham was asked to offer. So by faith, he offered up Isaac. He spoke about the offering of Isaac uh, by faith. Abraham, when he was dead, offered up. It wasn't Received. So the receiving of Isaac was not added to Abraham's credit in this hall of fame. It was only referred to him by faith in Romans chapter 4. Because the Bible says that he believed in God who gives quickens the dead and, and, and gives life to the things that are be, not be, you know, verse 17 and 18. So that's, but in the hall of fame, of faith, his name was not credited with receiving Isaac. When Abraham was mentioned first, Bible said, by faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed and did what? Went out. Not knowing where he was going. 
Where's the start now? God said, I'm the start now. Is it not similar to looking unto Jesus, the author of the finish of our faith? He was moving, but I don't know where he was going. I don't even know what is happening. Now I don't even know what is happening. You don't need to know. You need to trust before you attempt to know the outcome of your life. You won't know. Because known unto God are all his works. Bible says that the secret, the things that have been revealed have been revealed in the Son of Man, Deuteronomy 29, 29. But the secret things belong to the Lord. But look, watch this is, in, uh, is someone getting something? I think it's nice to start, uh, talk about the Bible, the weather guy, isn't it? So watch this. So, uh, Pastor, why do you bring us Hebrews chapter two, Hebrews chapter eleven about Abraham's faith? First of all, he was mentioned is the mention of Abraham by faith he obeyed. But the second one, I didn't realize it wasn't an extension of the first one. Even though it was the same Abraham, he was given twice mention. Verse 8 and verse 9, by faith. Everyone, when they are introducing him, they say, by faith, the achievement follows. By faith, the achievement follows. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, he says that by faith, Abraham obeyed. Verse 9. Okay, let's start from verse 3. Verse 3, quickly. Verse 3, by faith, we understand. Verse 4, by, by, by faith. In fact, verse 2 says that for by it the elders obtain a good. So verse 4, by faith. And then verse, verse 5, by faith he was translated. Then verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by, by faith Abraham. Verse 9, by faith Ah. But I've always missed, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. What achievement is that? I thought it was a continuation he moved. If it was a continuation, they wouldn't have said by faith. By faith introduces a new. By faith is trying to. So what is the point here? By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise. As a foreigner, as a foreign country. Dwelling in tents. That's a very important one. Tents. No house. Dwelling in tents. And that dwellingness in tents started with him. It didn't stop with him. It continued with Isaac, and then it ended with Jacob, who said he will build God a house. <laughs> we see where that is going. It was based on his. He said, "I'm not settling, and I'm not going to focus on myself. By faith, this thing, I won't build a house. I'm going to build a tent because there's some. The Bible said, for they sought. Look at it. Look at the next verse. It's not by faith again. Now it's continuation. For he waited for a city." His mind was on this church thing coming. Oh my goodness. By faith, Abraham be became a church man. It's deeper than the normal Bible stories that we have been seeing in this Hebrews chapter 11. This one, you need to understand God's counsel. God's eternal counsel to appreciate it and realize that it was even from Abraham. Abraham said, I'm looking for a city which has foundation, whose builder the only thing God builds on earth. Uh -oh. Jesus said, I will build. I am a builder. Bible says that, except the Lord builds. Ah, Jesus, the liberty. God, the only thing he builds is his house. And Abraham said, I'm looking for something God is building. So by faith, he was able to, by faith, decided that nowhere is settlement for me. He said, I won't. David said this. I came across this scripture. It was so powerful. In chapter Psalm, Psalm 132. Verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 
I quoted it recently when I was when I went to America. I had another flow of understanding, and it was a unique one because it was a, a, a certain mission. So it wasn't for a church; it was for a generation. So he said, "The Lord remember who." I think you change it. The Lord remembered David and all his afflictions. That means the guy had problems. But God remember him in his problem. Look at the next verse. How David swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Oh, Pastor Charles. Of who? Jacob. Because Jacob was the last. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The thing stopped on him because he was the first person on earth to attempt to build a house for God. So that if Jacob had not attempted, it would have continued to Jacob, uh, I, Joseph, Joseph or Judah or somebody. Until someone, it enters someone, someone has by insight, ah, there need to be, a, an ere, ere, I have to erect something for God. That's why Abraham built altars. He built them for himself and built an altar for God. They all used to do that. So Jacob, the, the holy one, he wanted to, until he vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Look at the next verse. Surely, I will not go into, uh, into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. Hey, what, what's wrong with David? He said, I won't go and sleep. I won't go and sleep. It's like hunger strike. I will surely, he vowed, he vowed to God. I won't go and rest. I won't go and sleep. Surely, I will not go and rest. I won't go into my, I will not go to my bed. No, my bed is comfortable. I won't go and sleep. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my... He said, I will never do this. I won't do it. Why? Why, why did he swear like this? Until, until, until I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling place for... So, you see, when he was talking to Nathan, go and tell God, uh, Nathan, I want to build a going house. These were the details which were not recorded in Second Samuel chapter 7. He, it was a vow. David vowed that me, until I found the resting place for God's house, until I've built God a house, I will never rest. I will look at my house. No, I will never rest. That's, and God, he moved God in a way. God descended from heaven. He said, tell David. No one has, I've never asked anyone to do this. But now that it has entered his heart to do it, he has secured himself posterity. That's why when Peter started preaching, when Jesus left and they gathered in Acts chapter 1, the Holy Ghost hasn't come yet. He was about to choose a replacement for Judas. He said, as the Holy Ghost, verse 16, as the Holy Ghost speak by the mouth of David. David seemed to be in the mouth of every New Testament preacher. That's what I'm talking about. In the mouth of every New Testament preacher. Because Jesus the Messiah is meant to be the son of David. The real Old Testament story kind of finds its fulfillment, its major junction in David. Then the fulfillment becomes Jesus. So Jesus couldn't be fulfilling God's word unless of a necessity he is a son of David. So, sir, every major New Testament preacher in the book of Acts had David on their mouth. One of the Psalms written by David is the most quoted scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament. The most quoted one, five times it was quoted. But the only scripture that was quoted more than any other scripture is what David said. So, when 
The Holy Ghost, before he came, we were about to choose Judas. He said, David said. And then when the Holy Ghost came, he said, ah, they are not drunk. This is verse 2. This is the, what, the, uh, verse, verse 16. The prophet Joel said. So he quoted Joel the prophet. Then after Joel the prophet, he didn't go to any prophet. He came to David. And he quoted David. And he quoted David four times in that preaching. Four times making reference to David said, David said, David said, David said. Then they were about to kill Stephen. And Stephen takes them through a journey of the Old Testament. He tells them about Abraham. He tells them about Jacob, Isaac, Jacob, the 12. They were in Egypt. They came out of Egypt. And then God took them through the Sinai. And sorry, talk about Joseph. That story, I like it. He spoke about Joseph and how they ended up in Egypt. Then Moses attempted to deliver them, but God hadn't given him the mandate to deliver them. And so when he tried to deliver them, they said, who make you a ruler in charge of us? Yesterday, he killed somebody, so he think we are going to celebrate you. Oh, come on for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yes, Bible said, the way Stephen put it, he said, and David, he went to kill somebody in the interest of the Jews. The next day, he was, they were fighting. He wasn't going to kill. He was going to bring peace. Who make you a ruler? That statement set him running. He ran out of town. A, a whole prison. Don't, don't anticipate what people, powerful what Somebody can say one thing and it can destabilize your life. Wow. That's why you have to be careful who you, who you listen to. They can say one, just one thing. You know I don't take him serious, but the thing will leave you. It can, it can haunt your life. That's why one of the things the rule of thumb, to be really blessed by a ministry is not to entertain any negative statement, whether from leaders or assistants or uh, subordinates or new members or outsiders. Don't entertain it. Because some of you, you would have gone further hadn't you, if you had not entertained some of those negative languages. That's why don't be deceived to think anybody at all can be your friend. And you'll be fine. Me, I know people, they can't influence me. A mind that cannot be influenced is useless. <laughs> yeah. What's, this, what's, the, what's the point the mind that cannot change? It's gone past, it's abided. Well, so one person, Pastor, one person is the wicked one. He said, You who made you, Bible said, Him who had been doing the wrong, he confronted Moses. Yeah. They will speak first. He, like, like, like the thief on the cross. He confronted Moses. And, no, it's still in your Bible. Moses. Uh, 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 the, no, no, not this one, please. Oh my God. This one is when God appeared to him. Verse 29, somewhere in verse 29. He became, Bible says, he became a foreigner. And he had two children. <laughs> in a foreign land. But he who, this is, this is, he who did his neighbor wrong, pushed, pushed Moses away. Get out of here. And he confronted Moses, saying, who made you a, a ruler and a judge over us? Meanwhile, that was his calling. That was his calling. That's why they brought verse 35. Verse 35 said, the one who they rejected as a ruler, him God sent to be. Yes, yes. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer. By the hand of God. Purpose. Who made He ran away for 40 years. Until God appears to him. He said, now I'll send you. He said, I can't go. Ah, but you were ready 40 years ago. No, no, no. I'm not the qualified one. God said, now that you think you are not qualified, I can't use you. I can't use you. But, but, watch. I need to end now. 
Moses, say Moses. Moses brought them out eventually. And that's Stephen. He was telling the story of Moses. He brought them out and then God gave them the law by the angel. And then uh, they, they, they made uh, God, they forced Aaron to make golden calf. And Bible says, God, there's a punishment there for them. I was surprised. God, and then there's a quotation that she them that I will give you away. And they were carried away because they went and worshiped. It's there. I was surprised. But that was not the main focus. So he just brought that in. And then he says that, and then God gave them the tabernacle and he instructed Moses that see to it that you build it according to the pattern showed you. And then Bible says that Joshua brought them, brought it with them to the promised land. So Joshua brought this tabernacle. Then watch this. To the promised land. Until the days of... It's like he's about to finish the story. As soon as you hear David, all this thing, God called a people so he can find a David through whom the Messiah will come. David? Please, please. David is a unique man in the word of God. So it looks like he was in the lips of every major New Testament preacher. David. So, Peter spoke about him before Judas, uh, before a replacement for Jesus was used. When the Holy Ghost came, in his major preaching, four times he made reference to David. And then, watch this, and then Stephen makes reference to David when he was preaching. Then watch this. When Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 13, was separated as an apostle, he and Barnabas, in Antioch, when they were sent to go, that's where Acts chapter 13 is where Paul's ministry to the Gentiles starts. Guess what? He went to a Gentile territory. He wanted, went to a Gentile territory and went to a synagogue. And they, he was asked to come and say something. When he started the preaching, see where he started from. He started from, it's like the history of the Jews. And then they, he had a, an abridged version of the history of the Jews and finished with David. Stephen finished with David, but in the name of Solomon. So Stephen, he finished with David and said, Solomon built, but that's not the temple we're going to. I like what Pastor Charles was telling me the other time. He said, that's the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was David's temple. The building, the building. Solomon, listen, we can't give Solomon the credit for the building of the temple. Why? Because number one, it wasn't his idea. It was David's idea. David said, it was in my heart. Second, first, first, first Chronicles chapter 28, verse 2. It was in David's heart. In Second Samuel Chapter, sorry, First uh, Chronicles chapter twenty-two, verse seven. David said, "It was in my heart." First Kings chapter eight, verse, verse, I think thirteen or verse seven. David said, "It was in my heart." So it was David's idea. Watch this. And David said, "It was in my heart." In and do you know what he did? He prepared, provided everything needed for the building. So yeah, he provided first, first, first Chronicles chapter twenty-nine. Verse 1, 2, 3. He provided gold for gold, stone for stone, silver. Stone. He provided everything. He was not the one to build. He's supposed to be the father of the builder. So he provided everything. And then in second, first, first Chronicles chapter 22, verse, verse 11, he told his son Solomon from verse 6. He said, verse 5, he said, the temple is, must be magnificent. But Solomon, my son, is young. So he called Solomon and he charged him. He said, build the, build the church of God. He said, ask for me, verse 7. Ask for me. It was in my heart to build for God. But God says, no, me. It's going to be my son. And so verse 11. So he charged his son. Verse 11. Second, second verse Chronicles 22. Verse 11. He told his son, you build the house. You build the house. 
I, I'm charging you. So Solomon was charged to build the house. And guess what? He, everything for the building of the house was provided. So really, he can't take the credit for it. So when Stephen was presenting, he said David wanted to build God a house, but it was Solomon who built it. Then he said, however, the most high God does not dwell in temples made by hands. That was the end of the Old Testament. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to finish this by letting you know. When Paul was going to preach, when he, he, he preached on the, he summarized the Old Testament, he ended up on David. But what did he say about David that was so significant? Verse 22. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Oh, okay. Let's look at this. God said, I found David, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. He had God, other translation said, he'll do my counsel. My counsel. They killed Jesus according to the counsel of God. God had a counsel. And he was looking for somebody who do the counsel of God. That's why he chose David. Not because he could sing. Not because he killed Goliath. But he knew. This guy is after my heart. And he would do. He wouldn't leave some out. Oh my goodness. He wouldn't leave some out. He would do all my counsel. All my counsel. God has a counsel. God has a plan. What's the counsel? They sat in heaven before the earth was formed. That's why the son of God. The lamb of God. Who was slain from the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was formed, that's Revelation chapter, chapter 13, verse 8. Before the earth was formed, they sat down and had a council that this is what we are going to We are going to save man. We are going to build man and put ourselves in. It was a council. And he said, for the first time, I don't need Saul asking why. Because I found David, a man after my heart. Who would do how many? How many? How many? All my council. All my that is what made David unique. And today the message is determine that God know how I feel by your counsel. Let your counsel. Lord, make me escape God for your counsel. That's the point of entry for your greatness in life. Let me be nothing in life but for your counsel. Let me live for your counsel. At my expense. At my discomfort. Let me live for your counsel. And if you live for God's counsel, your name will never be cancelled out in life. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.